This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Begin transmission. Transmission. The Frontline Gaming Network presents Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. The Frontline Gaming Network presenting Art of War with Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Art of War. I'm your host, John. And I'm your host, Nick. And today joining us is Justin Curtis to talk about all things chaos. Hello. Was that your introduction? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All things chaos. That's good for me. Welcome to the show, dude. It's good to be here. I mean, we're definitely going to be talking about things that we haven't talked about before with chaos, so I'm kind of pumped to have you. Yeah, it's a very different chaos army than like the the Jim Vessel, TJ Lanigan list. Yeah, I right. generally tell people when they when they ask about Lanigan or Vessel, who I got to talk to both at Nova there for a while because we all luckily bombed out by like round four. <laughs> I tell people I'm bored to death of plague bearers, so I have to continue playing my giant monsters to not die of boredom. So that's where I am. You should just follow my footsteps and leave chaos altogether well, because it's just so. Boring. I mean, you were never a real chaos player, anyways. You were an Eldar player. I'm sorry, Fate Weaver begs the difference. The Deceiver. Yes. so why don't you walk us through what your chaos list is as of late or what kind of style of chaos you play and then we'll take it from there okay so the the actual list i played at nova was two lord discordance um effectively just the minimum troops three 10-man cultists that was all i could afford sadly i tested some versions with a 30-man to have a threat of uh, of tide but it didn't work out um, eight Slanesh Bikers. The sergeant has an extra combi bolter, so you're actually looking at nine combi bolters there. Um, a knight dreadblade iconoclast with two thermal cannons, and then a messed up supreme command of like four different legions. It's Mortarian, his Death Shroud Terminators, a Slanesh Sorcerer, a Warpsmith, because they're the cheapest HQ choice we have, sadly, at like 70 points at 60 and then some trash and Armin, obviously. So, yeah, that that's the whole thing. It's, I think, 12 or 13 drops. It's real low. Wow, that's just not a big army. I mean, it's got big models, but it's very small. Yeah, I think the total model count is around 42. Like, it's like one unit of orcs and some characters, and that's my whole army. Did you miss the memo that 8th edition is a horde edition? <laughs> I had that memo for a while, I feel like, because I was at least playing like 60, 70 Zangors in all my armies last year. But then the Lord Discordance gave me the option to not do that any longer. And I immediately jumped on that train. So you're you're over here just like threat overloading people, it looks like. That was the idea. Yeah, I the the concept when the Discordance came out, I immediately started playing two Discordance and brought Magnus back for the first time since last Nova. I had not been able to play Magnus at all since last Nova because he's such trash in the orc matchup and orcs were everywhere. Um, but as soon as the Discordance came out, I was like, I need to test these. I'm going to play Discordant, Discordant, Magnus, and Mortarian just to screw around. And I kept telling everyone that I was going to have to drop one of the Primarchs before Nova to put in more support because that army had no support. 
And then it was actually doing really well. I was like, oh, okay, as long as I don't play orcs, I can make this work or certain other matchups. And I didn't drop him, didn't drop him, didn't drop him. And then Chaos Knights came out and I was like, well, maybe I won't drop him. Maybe I'll just replace him with something with some guns on it. So that's interesting. So your your knight has two thermal cannons and you seem to be uh, talking about the orc matchup. So it's kind of surprising. Yeah, to he me. doesn't really do a ton there. But to be fair, a knight in close combat against orcs is still doing more than Magnus does. Magnus's problem is no sweep attack. He if he goes into combat against seven or against 30 orcs, he's killing five or six orcs. It's really, really sad. The knight will and he does also have the, the iron storm. But oh, well, that's another D6 shot weapon. I mean, the knight will kill, depending on what I hit on my Dreadblade trait, will kill eight or so orcs in close combat alone, plus another 3d6 shots on top and a stubber. I mean, it sounds like not much against orcs, but it's still way more than Magnus does in that matchup. Let's talk about your knight for a little bit. Uh, For those of us who aren't super familiar with Chaos Knights, um, what is the Dreadblade benefit you're taking and what detriments and like, why is he iconoclast? What are you doing with this knight? So that's part of what led me to try this. See, I actually, uh, when I say that this is the list I ended up on, I actually tested all three combinations. If you look at Magnus, Mortarian, and the Knight, I tried all three combinations of any two of those. So I played Knight Magnus, I played Mortarian Magnus, I played Mortarian Knight. This version I landed on because I feel like the Knight is kind of a toolkit when you play it with that loadout with Iconoclast Redblade. Because I am i can't really do Infernal because I'm not getting a full detachment, so Infernal doesn't do anything for me. But the combination of being able to, at deployment or pregame, pick your Dreadblades, pick a Vow, and hypothetically pick a Warlord trait and a Relic gives you so many options with that codex. Like, in some yeah, ways... There's a lot of, of in-game, in-the-moment kind of creative exactly. adventure with that night. What are some I combos that. that you often did? Yeah, like against orcs, you can do the Vow of Carnage, where every 10 models you kill, you get another attack, which functionally is three attacks. Um, You can pair that with, uh, I think in both my orc matchups, I did the random stat boost Dreadblade trait. Um, No, in one, I did the random stat boost Dreadblade, and the other, the guy had Luda, so I took Ignore AP1. Ignore AP1 is huge in certain matchups. Yeah, it really is. That's just crazy. When you're toughness eight, ignore AP one, and somebody's trying to shoot Ludas at you, it's like, I hope you get 45 shots or you're not going to dent the thing. Um, And it just saves you command points. Um, But yeah, so my favorites are um, the other Vow, which I think is Vow of Domination, the reroll ones against um, vehicles effectively. I think it's everything higher than eight wounds, reroll ones to wound, and then you take um, reroll everything against characters in Titanic. And that makes you amazing in certain matchups. A knight that rerolls everything against characters in Titanic and also rerolls ones to wound when you're talking about a strength nine weapon gives me so much value in the knight matchup and probably even more in the the splashed soup guard matchup right. where he just glances at a tank commander and it ceases to exist. Yeah, he's very much he's much better at anti-tank than pretty much any other knight out there. Yes. He's, he's comparable to a The one thing that got me maybe even more forced into this selection was that stupid relic tank commander that everybody's playing from guard right now because in in my current list like if i'm playing magnus and mortarian and much of discordance i'm not killing that tank commander until i've tabled the other guy like that's the last thing i kill because it's in the back corner shooting me every turn twice so having the ability to get rid of something like that that threatens my big guys earlier than turn five or six is very, very Yeah, nice. that makes a lot of sense, especially like a lot of armies, not just the tank commander. Like you can put three Caladius behind a million guardsmen and like 
to get those Caladius and uh, Magnus Mori less, it's the last thing you kill. You have to kill 100 guards. Exactly. First, but it's a great point. I desperately wanted the version of this list with Magnus and the Knight to work. I really wanted that. That version had so much more synergy. Like it was a pure Thousand Suns Supreme Command. So I wasn't losing all my bonuses. I had a Demon Prince. I had Gaze of Fate access. But the, the big payoff there was the combo of Gaze of, or sorry, uh, Death Hex off of Magnus into double thermal night is beautiful when it works yeah like, that's my favorite thing ever when you, exactly and i like it's it made the chaos matchup like an auto win it made Caladius's cease to exist because who cares about their five of in but yes being able to hypothetically warp time magnus into a oh what are you looking at at that point a 50 inch warp time or a 50 inch death hex and then to double th- or a double thermal night like i i did that to a poor lord discordant at a test game and i was like sorry buddy like that seems it happens sometimes <laughs> you could, you could yeah just i know but i was like why not he might make some five ups and <laughs> <laughs> just deletes him yeah i wanted that version to work but like i said magnus is just too much of a liability in this meta i couldn't make it happen so quick dumb question um is that the reason why you selected the thermal lances or whatever they're called, the thermal cannons? Because Realistically, I took them because they're cheap. I, I couldn't afford much more on this list, as you see with my 30 cultist minimums. Um, but yes, anti-tank is a hole for me. I would probably rather be playing Avenger thermal at minimum, but uh, that's that's 30 or 40 points that I can't afford. Interesting. And then um, did you consider the, the battle cannons that have the longer range? I suppose those are That's two not as great for me. I, I need specialization in this list, I feel like, and the battle cannons are very all round. I need something that's either going to reliably clear screens, which is what my bikes end up doing, or reliably kill a, something like a tank commander or a Cladius in the backfield. So I was kind of going to go one way or the other, no matter what. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's just, I was, I was just curious. Yeah, the battle cannons are great if you're playing like three knights and you need to be able to do everything with all of them. Those battle cannons are the middle road weapon. They're, they're better at both or they can be used for both, but they're not as great at either. And my, my list is pulled to the extremes kind of by default of what it is. So your list has a, as really low command points also. When you're picking your knight uh-huh. with Dreadblade, uh, aren't you ever worried that he just won't function for a turn because you can't even CP rebuild necessarily? Yeah, with his with his Dreadblade traits, you obviously, or his damnations is what they're called, the downsides, you obviously always take Forsaken, which I don't understand, makes the roll better. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've never understood that one. So now he's only failing on a 10. And then the, the other damnation I would always take is the... Uh, because that's the one where you can't use command points. The other one I would take is the the reactor meltdown, where if you take damage that phase, you might take another damage. Right. Um, because then it doesn't really matter if I fail. It's just like, oh, okay, I can't use stratagems, which I can't afford anyways, yeah. <laughs> unless maybe I was going to rotate. Um, but yeah, and in matchups where there were no good Dreadblade trait, which I'm usually taking either the stat bonus or the reroll against characters in Titanic, um, in matchups where there's not a good one, I would just take the one that gives me a command point and a leadership. And now I'm only failing that test on an 11. Yeah. Yeah. The Dreadblade, the, there's so many options with that, that Dreadblade setup. And even the Warlord traits, like against Gene Stealer Cult, I can take a minus one to charge aura. Against Plague Bearers, I can take a roll two leadership, take the highest aura to kind of offset the Bile Piper. Like there's so many cool things you can do with, with that set of options. Um, oh, the other thing I really, really wanted him for was in testing the uh, the other versions of this list, especially the Magnus Knight one, was the double thermal knight with the ignore modifiers relic, ignore never modifiers, covers me against flyers so heavily. 
Like I need that because the discordants are dead weight against flyers. Yeah. So I, I needed something else to be able to shoot a flyer out of the sky. Right. It can't just be Morty running around hitting them. Exactly. And the nice thing is I can, I will always, and I didn't end up playing flyers. Of course, I've still not played this list against flyers because I don't have anybody local who plays them. But the nice thing is with all the smites and the targeted psychic powers, which I guess I only have like three of in this list, but still I can always take the risk and shoot a thermal at a plane and a thermal at a different plane and hope to do like seven wounds rather than killing one and then just finish them off with psychic powers the next turn. Yeah, that's true. So out of curiosity, uh, we talked a little bit about the Dreadblade damnations and the benefits. I forget what they're called. Is there ever a reason to not take a Dreadblade when you're plain chaos knights. It I've seems seen, like the yeah. downsides are pretty low, but the upsides are pretty high. The upsides are enormous. Like everybody makes fun of the free blades from Imperial Knights because they were all so bad and we got really good ones. But yeah, I played against two or three other Chaos Knight players. Like that's what I kept playing against at Nova and they all had a dread blade. Like I I don't see any reason not to. Well my Chaos Knights. I've got paired with flyers all weekend. You got a little There chaos we go. I wanted to test against flyers and I didn't get to. Yeah. <laughs> sorry i feel so bad for you he didn't get to play against flyers that's terrible yeah, i know poor guy <laughs> so let's talk about like your your strategies i guess so obviously you're playing a threat overload list you have discordance you have morty of this night um what do you do against like a super msu army like like tau with tons of two-man drones like richard siegler's list or even like a, a guard brigade that has just guys everywhere move blocking your discordance, just being everywhere. Morty can only be in one place at one time. How do you approach that? So first is to speak to the threat overload concept. That's entirely what I was doing here. That's that's all I wanted was uh, a, a, after last Nova, and then we went through Vegas with kind of the same meta, just with Castellans nerfed. But after that, all of the relevant anti-tank last year, and I'll mention just to ego boost myself, I made the final game of Nova last year playing Magnus Mortarian in that meta. So I was already on that that direction. But after that, all of the things that were blowing up my Magnus Mortarian got nerfed. <laughs> like Castellans ceased to exist. Dark Reapers basically ceased to exist. And Luda's lost mob up. But still, that was relevant to me. So all the anti-tank at the time got nerfed. So I was like, oh, okay. And then in the spring, we get Lord Discordance. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> like they're just pushing me back into the same direction. Cause at Nova or at Vegas, I had to drop Magnus. I could I thought I could not play him in that meta with all the Dark Reapers and, and Luda's, yeah. the the orcs coming out. Yeah. I was like, okay, we Magnus is gone. But then I was going to more and more infantry. I was playing like um 60, 70 Zangors and a bunch of demon troops at that point. But then the Discordance mm-hmm. came out and I was like, okay, now we have what are effectively mini Primarchs things that do a bucket load of damage and effectively require anti-tank weapons to kill, I can head back in this direction. So when I first started pitching the army of Magnus Mortarian to Discordance, I was texting some friends of mine, and I I luckily have access to some of the best players in the country. You have friends? And yeah, I know. Some I have teammates. It's totally lost <laughs> and <laughs> they were all texting me back different answers as to what they would shoot first. And I'm like, okay, I like that. I like that it's causing confusion at minimum. <laughs> like, people were like, oh, well, you have to kill Magnus first because of all the psychic debuffs. And if you're playing like Eldar, that's probably still true. And then some people are like, oh, well, you have to kill the the Blender Discordant is what I call him. The one with, uh, I think it's Ultimate Confidence is the Warlord trait that makes him destroy things. 
Um, people are like, oh, you have to shoot that first or it'll get too much value. And some people are like, oh, you still have to kill Mortarian first. And I'm like, yes, this is perfect. This is what I want. <laughs> I want to cause as much confusion with target priority as possible because you only have so many anti-tank weapons and they all require it. But it's also matchup dependent, right? So we'll talk about matchups a lot more in part two, but the answer definitely is different for different people. Exactly. Like I said, I don't think anybody should shoot Magnus first except Eldar and maybe Orcs, depending. But so yeah, when I was playing Eldar, I would always shoot Magnus first. Oh, yeah, you have to. If he's standing in your backfield, I win. I'm just like, haha, you don't get psychic powers and I do. But yeah, as, as far as the MSU matchup and even just hordes in general, hordes in general are the weakness and they always have been even back to last year with Magnus and Morty. Like, yeah, Morty can kill. 20 ish with blades up of a horde and he'll shred through them, but that's still just one guy and you don't want him doing that you don't want mortarian killing even 140 points of orcs that's not a win for him you want him deleting the big things in the back the that's and actually john got me in the pregame here for this podcast he uh, he picked it out immediately he said "Ooh, slanesh bikers those are what keep me in those games those slanesh bikers are my mvps and those are what more people ask me about at Nova than anything. I think Lanigan, I think that was his first question. He walked up and he said, Slanesh Bikers, and then he just kind of walked away. <laughs> and then, but those, I, I, I tell people, I'm, oh, go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. I was going to say, I tried them when the, when they first came out with the bolter rule for, for chaos and Slanesh Bikers, like vets, pressions, shoot twice. It's so good. I tried it at an <laughs> RTT in a very different list. I was running weird possessed stuff. Yeah. Um, and they were horrible. Yeah, um, but I think in the context of your list, it's just more threat overload. I have to deal with these bikes, turn yeah. one or Morty, or the that's Lords. the thing. It's and the the orc player that I played in round four was actually the first orc player who's made the right call, which was he shot his loot at the bikes, and I was like, that's absolutely the correct decision for you. Like <laughs> most players don't because they they look at the board and like I said, they make target priority mistakes. They go, oh my god, it's Mortarian and two Discordants. What the hell am I going to do? And they forget that there's eight bikes standing there. Yeah, and, and they shoot the a bikes, ton. and then. Exactly. Yeah, for those new for new players, right? So they they have uh, two bolters on each bike, and with the bolter discipline roll, that's four shots per bike. You've got eight of them. That's thirty two shots. And then they all have. Do they have a, like a a bolt gun in their hand? Or no, that's only Marines can pull off that trick. Uh, what okay. I have is the sergeant has a second combi bolter. So the the don't, eight don't three eight of you guys have bolt. combi bolters or no? Yeah, the regular, which is the same as what John said. Uh, yeah, it's instead of two bolters, they have combi bolters for our version. Um, but yeah, so in total, the unit is eight bikes that do 36 shots because they have nine combi bolters between them. Okay, so 36 shots, and then you can fire them twice? Yes, and against orcs or guard or now certain admech with all the MSU admech stuff, that's usually what they're doing. Right. And they move 14, and you're looking at bolter discipline, so they're they're clearing screens at 38. And you can warp time them, too, if you're not warp time. Exactly. I, I was going to say, I've done that against Gene Sealer Cult. In, in ITC, that's huge. Because in Gene Stiller Cult players try to deny you two points on the first turn. They try to say, hey, we're not killing each other this turn. And also, you're not going to get kill unit. If you took old school, you're not getting old school. So that could be three points. But if you warp time a unit of bikers at them, you're generally going to find one of those backfield acolyte units on turn one. Absolutely. Because Gene Stiller Cult players will use the clever ones. will use blips to make it so you can't move with a nine just to kind of lock, out, lock you out yeah. of their deployment zone. But then those blips and then go warp away. Time goes and through you, yeah, yeah. So it's a great way around that. Yeah, like every it. It also puts Gene Sealer players on a clock, which I really love. Which again, I don't have a ton of experience Gene Sealer cult. We have a couple people who play it locally, but Gene Sealer cult players obviously want to give you first turn. And I've I've had this discussion with some of my locals, and I I meant to talk to you about it at Nova, and I forgot. But I don't know if that's the right call against my army Hon because honestly, I because you have the bikes, I would choose first turn against you. Yes, because I'm like. 
when I when people have done that, they are at risk of getting tabled on turn two and turn three because they don't want to bring in everything on turn two. And it's like, well, whatever you bring in is going to get munched by Morty and the Discordance, and there's already bikes yeah, in like your if backfield. You get, if you get the bikes and Mortarian into my backfield before any of my stuff has shown up, like even yes. like that's really a big hole to dig out of, especially when you consider the fact gross. that like I'm deployed like all my characters and a bunch of chaff. I need that stuff to like function. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the bike's just in the backfield going, hey, I'm picking up whatever trash infantry you put down, and you can't really commit it. The other nice thing is it gets the bikes far away from my core, so they're not getting multi-charged by, like, aberrants when they come in. Like, I don't want to get give the bikes up for free. So it's, it's right. yeah, it, it's interesting. But yeah, it's, yeah, the core problem with MSU for me is, like Nick said, Mortarian can only be one place at a time. The other, the, like, sub point below that is I only get one warp time each turn. Woe is you, only one warp time. I know, right? So traditionally, it would be Mortarian sprinting forward, and then Magnus or whoever else, the Zangors in my old list, would arrive on turn two, turn three. Um, the nice thing about the Discordance is in a lot of deployments, if you get a decent run on a Discordant, they'll just make it. Like if a Discordant gets a six-inch run, they're moving 20 inches on turn one with the Aura and the Warlord trait. So they can make it without a warp time sometimes. If the the field commander, which is... so the the main discordant obviously has the ultimate confidence whirler trade. And then you make the other guy a field commander for the two inch movement aura. If he makes it like I'm in a great position, like if Mortarian and him or both discordants make it, it's great. That's extra units I'm killing. Cause I'm used to only having one thing in the backfield that is killing targets. And of course, Mortarian can kill basically whatever he touches. He's not necessarily killing one unit a turn, but against good players, he will be screened properly. And he's usually only killing one unit, but with let's, the discordance, Let's talk about your your threat ranges for a second, because I, that's one of the things I'm, as a new player, having my trouble wrapping my head around. Um, you obviously have a lot of stuff that moves very fast and can apply force large distances away. I right? always so. I always tell people the threat range of a discordant is your backboard edge. Like if I want a discordant to get to you, a discordant will get to you. Doesn't matter what the deployment is, he's coming. Like the average of two advances and 28 inches and a charge is 42 inches. That's the average move advance warp time, move advance charge of a discordant is 42. So you can bullet one, one of your big threats that way, right? Basically. Yes. Mortarian's much slower. Cause he's only doing 12 warp time, 12 and a charge. So he's looking at 31 on average, but yeah, one of them is going to get you. The The big upside, and probably something we can talk about more in the second episode here, is the plays I can do with Mortarian having access to those Death Shrouds, because I never play him without them anymore, is him hanging out midfield while the Discordants go deep is made my army so much more pleasant to play. <laughs> like, yeah. It used to be gross when Mortarian didn't make combat on turn one. It was like, oh, okay, he's going to eat 18 Luda shots in the, or 18 Ludas in the face next turn, and he'll just get deleted. Well, I've never actually understood how you cope with that without um, death shrouds. So obviously, keep them alive. Yeah. Like, let's say you're playing Vanguard or Hammered Anvil, so it's not your opponent can just deploy twelve inches back off his board edge, and then it's basically impossible for Mortarian to just. Yeah. Even if you get turn. first turn, you're not going to get there on turn one with old Mortarian. And that's I had conversations with the ETC guys this year. Like, they took a Mortarian list, and I was like, "How do you not have death shrouds? <laughs> like, you even have the slot for them." A lot of times, finding the slot is the hard part. Like finding an elite slot where you can take a death shroud unit. Yeah, because Mortarian, and especially if you're running any other Primarchs as well, like it's it's an entire detachment just for that guy. 
Exactly. Like, so I have to take him in the Supreme Command and lose my Thousand Sons benefit, but it is worth it. Like, I hate it, but it's worth it because I feel like it's mandatory. So what, do, what do the Death Shrouds do? Do they they take hits for him, or is that can you pass off? Yes, them? they have they have very familiar or very similar to old Seventh Edition Lookout, sir. They don't work like drones or uh, unquestioning loyalty from GSC. It's you roll to hit against Mortarian, and then on a two up, the hit moves to the Death Shrouds, and you roll to wound. Everything else resolves against the Death Shrouds, so they actually remove hits from him. Which is interesting. So like, it's really good against like a volcano lance. Obviously not as good as a as a shield drone, yeah. but you know we can't. Open exactly. It's great because it. You still get a four up invul though, so it's you can just bounce. And it off not anyway. just that, you you put them in cover, and then they have effectively a one plus save. Where Mortarian, it's pretty hard to get cover on Mortarian, but not hard to get cover on infantry. So you put the infantry in a forest behind him, and then they are. A, I tell people they're a black hole of Luda shots. Like it. Double firing Ludas will barely clear three Death Shroud Terminators. It's insane. But yeah, the the other big one is um, when you have already had a turn, like if I get first turn or if it's later in the game, because they rolled a hit against Mortarian, the minus one to hit is in benefit. And then the hits still move to the Terminators. You get you kind of get double benefit there. Wow. So for me, it seems like if you have the, the Death Shrouds there, they sort of create a situation where you don't, really want to shoot Mortarian, but at the same time, exactly. if you don't kill Mortarian, I, isn't that really bad for you? So it's it's kind of a catch-22. Exactly. Like I said, I, I love target priority nightmares. I think if they, if you have the Death Shrouds, your opponent's logical plan is to just ignore Mortarian, kill everything else that makes sense, and then Mortarian has to leave the Death Shrouds. They move four inches a turn, you can't like, hang out with them all game, otherwise he's anchored to a four-inch moving unit. Um, which is exactly. also I, I ran an entire list concept at Vegas and I did very, very well until Michael Snyder made me sad about dice. I was I was actually number one seed going into round six at Vegas, the cutoff round uh, with an army that played entirely on the concept Nick just described by making Nick be incorrect by what he just said, because <laughs> that was what I expected every good player in the world to say. If they go, oh, look, Morty's protected by Death Shrouds. I will just not shoot at Morty this turn. Are you seeing the right but, answers to still, still shoot Morty? See, I don't know what the correct answer was. It, it was your I guess it was your second step there. That was the incorrect part. It was Morty will outrange the Death Shrouds because you know what I ran at Vegas? I ran a bloodthirster at Vegas and I almost made the top eight. Because what I did was I wanted them to have something else to shoot at. I wanted them to go, oh, well, Morty has Death Shrouds. I'll shoot at this. Because what I would do in that situation, because I had no other warp time targets effectively because I was playing demons, Morty would move to midfield, and then I would warp time the Death Shrouds up to still cover Morty at midfield. And now it's like turn one all over again, except Mortarian's standing at the middle of the board instead of in my deployment zone. And that's when people I have see. problems. That's that's when they go. So you're willing to just take two turns like yeah, that just to get Morty safe and then the that makes everybody would look at it and go, "Oh God, now he's at the midfield and he still has the death shrouds. I can't kill him this turn." And then he's in my backfield at full health. That's that's what was losing people games at at Vegas. Do death shroud terminators also have storm bolters, or do they have combi bolters? Oh, they have a they have effectively a hand flamer, and then for some bizarre reason, the hand flamer was reduced to zero points in chapter approved, and the cha- the the sergeant has the option to take two hand flamers, so he has two. But yeah, it's D six auto hits at six inches for strength three. Oh yeah, so they don't really contribute. Well, they're monsters in close combat. They they're great if they get to close combat. Yes, they are terrifying in close combat. They. They have three, three, and four attacks, so 10 attacks for the unit that are strength eight, AP three, D three damage, and reroll ones to wound. 
that's so if like solid. if yeah. somebody rolls like a wave serpent or something to midfield or happens a lot with like a hellhound to just try to be annoying with a vehicle or hold an objective, the death shrouds just munch it up. The death shrouds go, hey, look, a vehicle. And they it also, it. it works really well because if once you warp time Morty, warp time is like, what do I do? But with yeah. the death shrouds, it's like, oh, these guys have a purpose again. Exactly. It, it gave value to my my warp time in that list. In this list, I obviously have the discordance. So in this version, if I want to make that play, I usually have to just leave Morty back a bit. The other downside is the, the death shrouds only run half distance because they have cataphracti. So their best case move is seven inches. <laughs> but still, when when now now I tend to deploy them in front of or equal with Morty. So even then, once you gain the four inch width of his base going backwards, they he doesn't really have to slow down much for them. So it, it still works. I still do the midfield play a lot, but no. Right, especially because you can put the Destrials in front of Morty to start. Exactly. Or like right yeah. next to him on the line. So it's not like he's beh- they're behind Morty. So it's just more distance you get out of it. Exactly. Like he'll move 12, but he's pushing backwards four inches with his base. So he's eight inches ahead of them. But then it's a three inch aura. So even if they run one inch, they're making it to the aura. They're making it to coverage. The one well, downside. He's going to advance as well, but they can be more time like you said. Yeah, I usually don't advance him. He's usually got value just like clearing a 10-man guard squad or something with his grenades or throwing the lantern into the backfield to annoy a character. Very rarely do I run him. That's very interesting. Especially if I don't know where the death shrouds are going to turn out. But yeah, no, picking up like a even a Space Marine scout squad, like you said, MSU is a problem for me. So everything I can get, I have to try to get. Those those Phosphex bombs off Mortarian are actually great. Like that'll usually put a guard squad to the point where it's got one or two guys left or dies to morale. Like the Phosphex bombs are great. The lantern sometimes if you want to shoot through and try to do three wounds to a character and then pick him up when your aura gets in range. Like Mortarian's not nothing in the shooting phase. He's handy. So for those of us professional players who are not educated, what is a Phosphex bomb stats? So he has, it's effectively a heavy bolter stat line. It's his grenades. Uh, they're the, if you look at the model, they're the weird things that the nurglings are holding all flying around him. Um, it's a 2d6 shot heavy bolter, basically. Oh, that's pretty cool. And he gets on twos, reroll ones. It's not bad at all. It's on twos, reroll ones, and he's making guardsmen nearby toughness two. So he's wounding on twos, and uh, it doesn't have a reroll on it. It's not a plague weapon, but he's wounding on twos, usually. So uh, kind of a, a different question. Um, one I'm really curious about, though. In your previous list, I know we played last year at Nova, and then I saw your LVO success story almost. Um you were using Zangors to to wrap stuff up in close combat to make Morty unshootable even further. Like if you could use consolidation yeah. tricks to have Morty like kill a scout unit and then consolidate to another one and wrap it with Zangors, that was obviously game ending if you could get Morty in your opponent's deployment zone unshootable. Um, you don't have that option anymore. There's just no crap in your list. You're, no. What do you and do? First, that? I'd like to clarify, did, did we play at Nova last year? Did that happen? We did. did we how did that game of, go for you? Kind of... Uh, Knocked me out. Thanks, buddy. Okay, I just wanted to double check. I just wanted wanted to confirm. <laughs> um, we but don't yes, have to talk Zangor, about the We don't have to talk about the. We don't, we don't have to bring that up. Okay, I I mentioned her at Nova, so you've been yeah, reminded. That was already enough. But yes, the uh, the Zangors. I feel like I miss them definitely. Like that was a different list, and I miss them a lot of times. I've written versions. I've written versions of this list that have Zangors in it instead of the knight. Um, and it's really nice to have command points, which I don't. But the, the thing is, I feel like, especially against top tier elite players, everyone's kind of caught up to getting wrapped. Like uh, last year, I did it in back to back games against Copac and Brandon Grant. And I don't think this year I would be able to. I feel like people have gotten better at playing their screens correctly. Uh, 
at I just think guard not players leaving. Just accept that they're going to be wrapped. They don't even try to fight it. Yeah, against guard maybe, but now people are like now people are like deploying their tanks in such a way that you can't get all the way around them. Or like Caladiuses are a thing where you just can't wrap because they have fly. Like there's there's also just not as many targets this year. Last year it was wall to wall ninety guardsmen Castellan. That's all we were playing against last year. So that was wraps all day. In this meta, it's harder. Like, you can't really wrap orcs because orc players know that you can just use mob up to use, hey, that character, I'm leadership one, and delete their own units. Like, that's always fun when you that happens. You can also just jump out of combat, too. Or to jump. Yeah, that's they have options to get out of combat. It's hard to pull it off against orcs. Um, and moreover than that, it's just not as necessary in this version of the list because I can lose Mortarian and still win. But, yeah, the I always told people with the, the list I played last year, people would kill the Primarchs on turn... Like, they'll kill maybe one on turn one. If not, they'll finish it on turn two, and then they'll kill the other on turn three, and then they think they win the game. Like, that's more than anything. That was probably my game with Brandon Grant last year in round six or seven. Um, he, he killed Magnus on turn one and Mortarian on turn three, and I felt like he thought he was coasting at that point, and yeah, that's what everybody did. Once you that kill list. Magnus and Morty, the game, in my mind, is over. Like, that, that is yeah. a list. And that's the thing. The, that list never went to protect themselves like magnus wasn't killing if, if mortarian had the option to kill like the relic tank commander which didn't exist at the time but let's say the relic tank commander something that shoots at mortarian or 40 guardsmen mortarian was picking 40 guardsmen every time because his job wasn't to protect himself his job was to allow the zangors to win the game and that's exactly what happened against brandon grant he killed magnus and mortarian but he was down to just his castellan basically and some characters and then there are 60 Zangors on the board, one of which is four up invul and one of which is minus one to hit. And all he's got is basically a castle that fires like 11 bullets a turn. So and you're kind like, of actually using Mortarian in that version as a Zangor delivery system. Yeah, no, I always told people Mortarian very rarely won me games with that version of the list. It was Mortarian allowed the Zangors to win the game. That was how it always worked. That makes a lot of sense because like 60 Catechins, 90 Catechins, they will absolutely destroy 30 Zangors, yeah. but not if any, they're all Anything that just has weight of fire will kill any of the demon entry. I mean, Zangors are effectively demons. Like they're the stat line of what any lesser demon should be. But yeah, like any weight of fire just picks them up. So when you think you're screening out Mortarian, uh, I'll tell you, Kopak did the worst of this. And I love Kopak, and he's one of the best players in the world. But Kopak lost 78 guardsmen to me on turn one. And I was like, I was like, you think you're screening, but that's not what you should be doing. So, so like, explain this to me, because I am legitimately curious. How does Mortarian and, and maybe his Angor charges you Dark Matter Crystal? Out? Yeah, it was it was Dark Matter Crystal killed two units. Um, I I think that even required a double fight. Like, I think I only reached the first unit, and then I had a double fight to get the second. Mortarian killed three. That was where he screwed up. Like, he had his screens meeting in such a way. There was, like, a triangle where three units met, and Mortarian was like, I'll take all three of those. And I think I think Magnus blew up a unit and then just rando shots here and there from the grenades and stuff like that. But, yeah, I think the number was 78. I was like, that was wrong. You should not have done that. <laughs> so, out of curiosity... Um it looks to me like your current iteration of the list is early game is just trying to clear a certain area of the screening models yes. so that you're making room to get through with your high threat models and their good threat ranges. Yeah, I'm generally trying to get a discordant through. Um, there's so much value to getting a discordant in rather than Mortarian because, like I said, more than anything, Mortarian can be protected and he's so hard to kill, especially once I've had a turn and he gets his minus one to hit up. Getting a discordant in, and usually, and it's probably something to talk about more in the next episode, but I, I tell people I walk backwards through my threats. And that's when I've seen other people play this army, that's the thing they do wrong. 
you want to send your least relevant threat first because the thing in someone's backfield has to be shot at. Like, that's just there. I mean, unless they have, like, a relevant counter assault to get rid of it. Like, it doesn't matter if you it's the least valuable thing to shoot at. You have to shoot at it because it's standing in your backfield. So generally, I want to send the lesser discordant on turn one. That's what I want going forward. So yes, everything else is designed to make a hole for him to do so. And those slash bikers usually make me that hole. I mean, I've got smites to clear, usually like something like a scout unit that's trying to block me for the movement phase. You blow that up with smites and then you warp time anyways. Um, Mortarians. Yeah, so you would use the, yeah, go ahead. You would use the smites to make a, a hole in the front screening part of the unit, right? And then yes. warp time to move through it. And then luckily, generally units that infiltrate to because I'm really only concerned about things that are above the deployment zone at that point. Things that infiltrate are usually five man units. It's somebody can stiggies forward a unit or they can put scouts out there. Or they can put pathfinders or now pathfinders deep strike now, but whatever. It's usually a five man unit that's just there for blocking purposes. That's easy enough for me to blow up with smites because it's a problem for my list. It's not a problem for other lists that I need those lanes clear in the psychic phase if somebody's infiltrated on me because I need to warp time. So getting the first movement and then killing that first thrown out there screen with smites is important. And then you warp time to make it to the second layer, which is what the bikes have to clear as the second layer. Right. So in thinking about it, you're basically using the smites to kill the infiltrated units out front. And then the bikes have such a long threat range. They go and kill the next screening unit. That's maybe at their deployment line. And then the, discordant is going through those two holes that you made with those two units and then exactly. getting to something juicy that they don't want you to touch i somebody else there was playing somebody at nova came up to me and i think he said he was playing two or three discordants and mortarian so something very very similar to my army and he was describing a game to me where he was telling me he had to send mortarian and he was like oh well i was playing against stiggy's ad and they deployed a unit of rangers up, and it was in the like pointy dawn of war. So the, he he was already at midfield basically after the Stiggy's move, and he blocked off the space between the Nova L. And I was like, no, that's wrong. Like, yeah, he did it, but you have enough psychic powers to clear that. You you don't want to send Mortarian unless you have to. And if you give in to a screen like that, and you go, oh well, I have to send Mortarian because he has fly and he can jump over it. Then you've already lost because you're going to trade Mortarian for whatever you get on turn one rather than a Scordant, which costs one third of what Mortarian costs. And it's it's just a whole thing where people tend to forget that Mortarian has a third psychic power. Like everybody goes Blades of Putrefaction for the, the mortals in combat and they do the minus one to hit and then they just forget that he has a third psychic power. But Mortarian has a power called Curse of the Leper, which is amazing for screen clearing in those same situations. And it's funny because now sometimes he's screen clearing for the Discordance rather than for himself. But Curse of the Leper is great for screen clearing when there's extra and you can't just do it with okay, your smite. Okay, so now Curse of the Leper is the one where you roll one die per every guy in the unit and on a six they take a move. No, that's that's Plague Wind. That's that's not good because if you're trying to clear a five man yeah. squad, you're gonna. I was gonna one say guy. like I, yeah. was, I was not following you at all. Exactly, like I said, nobody remembers that Mortarian has a third power. Curse of the Leper is so. Uh, what's Curse of the Leper? It's effectively old toughness tests. It is seven of them. You roll seven dice. Anything above the nearest unit's toughness is a mortal wound. That, oh, wow. So on a toughness three unit, you know, you almost kill the whole thing right there is frequently a toughness two unit because Mortarian is nearby. Oh, or, synergy. or let's say you're Grotz and your toughness one. That's always my favorite. Also pretty good against uh, <laughs> just like those scout scouts you were talking about, right? Five of them because they're exactly. going to be toughness three. Like it's better than a smite. Like it's going to it's going to kill three or four against a toughness four unit if he's in aura range. Like, again, people 
go, oh, well, I've screened you out. There's a unit of scouts in the Nova L. And then you go, no, I'll just curse the leper it and then save my smites for something else. But yeah, no, curse the leper is amazing. Because like I said, in my army, he's not always charging turn one. So why do you need Blades of Putrefaction? Like people just put themselves on autopilot sometime with Psychic Power and the same guy casts the same thing every turn. But Mortarian has three powers and Curse of the Leper is almost always the third that I choose. Okay, so Justin, I'm going to I'm gonna summarize what I think your strategy is and you tell me like your overall macro strategy and you tell me how far off I am, right? Um, but it sounds like to me, you've got this threat overload list and your goal is to clear screens and send the least valuable of those threats to peace trade with your opponent. And eventually, because you can only basically rocket one in, I mean, if you can get more in, great, but um, obviously mid-game that changes too. But early, you're sending your least valuable of those bullets in, kill something valuable. They're going to kill it back because it's in the middle of their army now, right? And then you're just basically trading, okay, here's my discordant I don't care about as much. Here's my next best discordant. Oh, yeah, here's Mortarian. And eventually they run out of things that they can trade with you, right? Does that sound like kind of how the game goes? Exactly. Like generally I, I look at it as the the second discordant, hopefully, is I, I treat him as almost being in reserve. Like he goes to the midfield with Nova. I have the L's to effectively hide him, which is great. But I try to find somewhere to tuck him away because usually turn two is when people go, oh, crap, I have to deal with Mortarian. That's when they switch into Mortarian mode. And if Mortarian gets there and I still have that other Discordant hanging out midfield, that's usually the clincher. Because by the time they've dealt with Mortarian, they're in bad shape. And if that second Discordant arrives at that point, it's it's the death blow. Like, he, he'll just pick up anything. I'm still not following how you handle, like, 80 Guardsmen running around screening and stuff. Because Mortarian can still, assuming you're playing someone good, only kill 10 guys a turn. Same with the Discordants, they're only killing 10 guys a turn. So if you go in with your first Discordant, and it kills 10 guard, and then it dies to a Smash Captain or whatever, then Mortarian repeats the process, and the third Disco Lord arrives, and there's, let's say the bikes killed 40. So let's, there's still 20 guard, and a pile of characters, and maybe tanks in the backfield. How, how are you handling this with like like you said though it's it's the bikes the bikes do kill about 40 guardsmen i think it depends on how many are within mortarian aura which i i refer to as ghetto vets of the long war because i don't have vets of the long war because i'm playing flaws how host do you not have vets oh my god i mean i'm playing flawless host it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. i can't you, yeah, but, but like vets, i said mortarian is ghetto vets of the long war when he's in range of guardsmen i'm wounding on twos anyways and most of the screens are toughness three so i don't need vets as much as you think because, again, if Mortarian gets thrown up into the line, it's all twos. But yeah, the, the double-firing bikes will kill about 40. Um, usually, I'll spread those shots pretty thin. Like, I, I'm fine with, especially on turn one, I'll usually have to kill, like, one or two units specifically to try to get through to something with a Discordant. And other than that, I'm like, if I kill six from that unit, six from that unit, six from that unit, I'm fine with that, because then morale will do some of my job for me. Um, but yeah, the... It's way easier than it used to be now that I have these bikes, because, again, Mortarian will pick up a unit from the shooting phase, which generally they're layered. So obviously, if Mortarian's picking up a unit, he's picking up the unit behind the unit that he's about to charge. And he generally won't kill 10 guardsmen. He'll I mean, the screens link up at somewhere like there's usually not a six inch gap between guardsmen because if there were, I would just walk through it. Exactly. So you can and six inches. Exactly. Six inches is the range for Mortarian to charge two things because he's on a four inch base and he needs to be with an inch of both. So generally he'll pick up 20 any times he charges, as will the Discordants. Like it's borderline impossible that a Discordant won't kill 20 right. guards. Like, like only getting 10 is like an unrealistic ideal for the guard yeah. player. So 
any of those heavy chargers will kill 20 guardsmen as well. And once you talk about, hey, the bikes picked up 30 or 40, then it's suddenly real thin by the time my second assault gets there. Oh, so this just occurred to me. Sorry, new player catching up. Um, so basically, in this mythical game plan that we're doing, you're using the bikes to kill, pick up those 40 or whatever, some smites to pick up the stuff that's further in front of that. Uh, you're rocketing the discordant through the hole to kill something juicy, but also the, all this other stuff in your list, because the guardsmen have come forward and are screening, probably you're going to get charged and shot. So you're, they're also doing work on the rest of their army, sort of uh, thinning out all of those guardsmen, allowing you to play the game. Like as the game progresses, suddenly they're not going to have anything to screen with. And then you just yeah. get dealer's choice. It's not unheard of for on like turn two or three for me to get like Armin into combat, like Armin and the Sorcerer and that uh, that Warpsmith even like those guys end up in combat on turn two, turn three a lot because it's kind of like it's like I've broken through the line in football and like, well, the defensive linemen don't care anymore. I'm already, I'm already gone. So like the Discordant's not going to turn around to kill 10 guardsmen once he's already through the line. But that line of characters ends up cleaning up guard squads and stuff like that pretty frequently because like I'm not I can't afford as Nick keeps pointing out I can't afford to turn around one of my big threats to do so so yeah the the character it, line it does make a wrong. lot more sense when you point it out like this it's like I'm imagining like you write a big threats your big threats are occupied and like straggler guardsmen survivors and like random company commanders platoon commanders that move 20 inches a turn magically yeah. I imagine all that running around being a pain in the ass but then that's that's a job for Armon, the Warpsmith, the Chaos Knight. Exactly. The, the, the Warpsmith in this list is hilarious. Like, I started taking him last year. Um, or actually, no, I started taking him at Vegas when I, as mentioned, the Death Shrouds are sometimes problematic to find a slot for. My solution to that at Vegas was a Supreme Command of Mortarian, a Nurgle Herald to buff him even further, and two Warpsmiths, because, again, they're the cheapest HQ we have. Um, but the Warpsmith in this version of the list, I had 10 or 15 points left over, I think 15. So he actually has an extra combi melta. So the Warpsmith has two melta guns and a flamer. The Warpsmith is hilarious in the midfield when something like a Wave Serpent or even a, he shot at a Chaos Knight in one of my games and did like eight wounds. <laughs> like when you shoot two meltas at some vehicle that's wandered up to midfield that hit on twos, like it's actually yeah. really funny. That's actually pretty cool. So then uh, a lot of the things. So what you're saying is we need to nerf Warpsmiths. <laughs> I, oh, I also made him world eaters in this version of the list because there was no reason not to. So I have the four up deny stratagem, which is fun. I did not ever play against anyone with any psychers. <laughs> I think I think I played against that orc player who's never going to put his psychers in the midfield anyways. <laughs> uh, and that literally might be the only psychers I played against the whole weekend. We had very different Nova's. Yes, we did. Again, I wanted to get to use it, but yeah. But no, yeah. <laughs> so against that many screens, it's usually just a matter of getting through before I lose everything. But the the extra step to what you were planning out there was, oh, well, you trade this with your, you, you get nothing effectively on turn ones. You kill screens and then you start trading, trading, trading. But in this version of the list, again, the, the limiter on my army is always how many things can arrive each turn and I only have one warp time each turn. So switching to the, the knight rather than Magnus is what's gaining me value in those matchups because it's now it's no longer just I killed screens on turn one on turn two. Maybe I get something useful. And then on turn three, I'm down to my last threat. I get one more useful thing and then I just lose. But now on each of those turns, the knight is just standing there picking up something like, and he also has the ignore line of sight gun on top. So he can pick up a pesky guard squad or a pesky mortar squad hiding in the corner. It's great for shooting at mortars. I love that's basically why I took it was to kill mortar squads. But yes, the knight is throwing the averages in those matchups in my favor because he's picking up a thing without using up any of my resources. Yeah, because you don't have to like rocket him forward. He's got 12 inch move and long range guns. Right. So like a back 
a, a knight showing up on your doorstep on turn four after you're out of stuff to kill a knight is uh that's quite proper. Exactly. Yeah, it's if a full health knight, and again, I'm usually walking him forward each turn because there's not much reason not to. Like it's it's great to have a knight that is effectively invincible just because people can't afford the guns to shoot at it. <laughs> like it's weird how much more value a knight has when there's just no concept. Like of all the people who I ask, like, hey, what do you shoot on in turn one? Very rarely did I get the knight as the answer. Like I, the only thing off the top of my head is I think a chaos knight player who has counter assault knights should maybe shoot at my knight first because he can trade with me in combat. But that's the only thing I can think of as to anybody who should shoot at the knight first. Yeah, that's actually interesting because now you're getting this knight that has these two thermal cannons rocking around. That's a lot of damage over, even if you get four or five turns shooting out of it. Um, yeah, and 12 attacks in close combat and the 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 D shot, the, the gun on top is D6 shots, strength five, AP one, two damage, which is why it's so good at picking up mortar squads and stuff like that. But again, just having a nor line of sight weapon is big in my army because of my MSU problems. Yeah. And like you said, it's uh, it's just something that never gets shot at. It's definitely the lowest on the priority of those four big monster things you have because it's relatively the slowest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And still, like, it's it's now the opposite of how my old army used to play. I was describing using Magnus and Mortarion to allow the Zangors to win the game. Now it's just all over the top anti-tank rush. It's like, if I can get rid of anything that can threaten a tank, I'll take it. Like, I would I'd allow pretty much anything to live if it gets me rid of a Laz cannon. And even that would, <laughs> would it be fair to say, like, so you said uh, your old list was Magnus and Morty allowing your Zangors to win. Now it's um, Lord Discordance and Morty allowing your knight to win. That's kind of how it sounds. I'd say it's, I'd, I'd say it's every man for himself. It's just, <laughs> they're all out for their own. They're trying to protect themselves because by protecting themselves, they protect each other. And the, the one other thing that I liked here is even the bikes, like bikes effectively require anti-tank weaponry yeah, to kill. You're not killing, like, you're not killing a unit of bike. Like that. That's a Plaz gun. Thank you. That's word for word what I was going to say. Because they are toughness five and two wounds and three of armor and they might be in cover. Like the best weapon to shoot at a bike is like a Luda or an auto cannon or something. Like high strength, medium AP, damage two or higher. But those are guns you want to be shooting at Mortarian because he has an invul save. Like you don't want to shoot a Laz cannon at Mortarian. You want to shoot three auto cannons at Mortarian. Like that's always how this has worked with invul saves. That's why... Traditionally, things like thermal cannons weren't an option compared to an Avenger Gatling cannon. But there's too much of it in my list. Like, you can't usually spare shots to shoot the bikes. And like I said, some of the better players have started making that call. Like, that orc player said, oh, holy crap. And to orcs, bikes are much more dangerous than most people. So maybe it was a little easier for him. But he said, oh, holy crap, I have to kill those bikes. And that was the correct decision, in my opinion. So kind of off topic, um, I know you've you've obviously been playing this style of list for a year or plus now um how does it change from format to format or do you not really consider the mission because you're just tabling them and asking questions later yeah you got there at the end yeah it's this this list tends to table people or get tabled i did not read the nova missions really <laughs> until i got there i think i went to one i went to one test tournament and i played two of the missions and then i had to leave for personal reasons and i was like that this was plenty would explain the three two finish at nova yeah thank you i i took out i was like oh it's like oh they took out engineers i'm fine then because last year i was like oh god engineers engineers was so bad for me and th this year i was like oh that was all i knew going in was they took out engineers okay that's that's better <laughs> it's like an engineers it has to be better for me was last year when picking my engineers i would usually pick magnus as a joke because i didn't have a second engineer unit all my zangors were doing stuff every turn i had one unit of tax cultists and i had nothing else to mark as engineer so i was usually doing it on magnus and 
people would think I think I was low key a top player move though. Like um, at the, in the finals of the Invitational against John Lennon and his double Orions and three Caladiuses, I engineered both Aberrant squads. I was like, they're not going to charge. They can't charge anything. <laughs> and and then like, if I pick ten guardsmen, he'll actually just kill them. So I had to pick something else was definitely not a low-key top player move because i never once scored him for an engineer point it was just i I think in one of my games though it might have got me some like uh some mind games because this guy was like magnus is your other engineer and i was like yeah (laughs) he he thought i was doing some like iq 1000 play and i was like no i just don't have another engineer (laughs) that's awesome so when i saw that was gone i felt a lot better but no i i can't really there's not a lot of wiggle room in this army i've got like i think i could peel out maybe 15 points and then after that i have to start dropping bikes which i i would already prefer to be playing at nine bikes but i i can only afford eight like there's not a lot of wiggle room to account for formats this is probably a little better in itc than it was in the nova missions because it's borderline impossible as as few units as i have you would expect me to be losing hold more but it is borderline impossible to hold board control against me on turn one or turn two because I can kill anything on the table very, very reliably on turn one and turn two. So people have to castle up against me. Like even the armies that don't want to, like, except I, again, I think it would be very fun to play Siegler's list. I've not played anything like that. He can obviously do it with the drones where he spiders out. Like he would just, it would just kind of kill you. Probably. I mean, the one upside <laughs> is, um, riptides aren't great against me. Like riptides. No, I'm just, thinking those, those cyclic commanders though. Exactly. I've played against a version similar to that a few months ago at at Toledo and it was the cyclic commanders that got me but I think I was underestimating that um but in this in this version of this list I don't know if I have enough to do anything about it um I think if I got this I think that would be a lot exactly because I can pick them out sniping out the yes in this it would Um, be if I sorry go go ahead okay so if I got the uh if I ever somehow got the and, and I'd have to do the math on how many drones I should kill with the bikes and all that, but I don't think it's enough. But if I ever got a discordant into one of the riptides, I think I would start winning because he would kill basically every drone. Like it would, it would just eat up every drone that was in the vicinity when a discordant touches a riptide. Honestly, I think I would just let you kill my riptide. <laughs> That's actually probably the better call. You're, you're probably right. So maybe, maybe even that wouldn't work. But yeah, I don't know what I would do about the cyclic ion commanders because they're just so good against me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, would it be one of those things where you, because of your ability to slingshot way, like you could go possibly around the riptides to the commanders and just kill them? It's unlikely with so many drones. Like even yeah, suppose, when he when yeah. he played against, like I said, I got to see two of Siegler's games up very, very close because I was judging them <laughs> against like even rows. Like it was it was kind of a pile of riptides and then obviously drones in every direction. But even the pathfinders were V'd out behind the riptides with the commanders inside of that until they had to jump over to go do stuff. Yeah, there's just no attack. He, he's he's set up in so the commanders are the last yeah. thing you'll get. Um, I did have a follow-up question, though. I know you don't really cater to formats because your list just doesn't have wiggle room, but do you consider terrain at your event when you're building this list like this? Like, obviously, you know Nova has the Ls. ITC is traditionally good at line of sight blocking, at least like LVO is. Um, but Adepticon, yeah. for example, is historically not so great with terrain. <laughs> so... How yeah, does that factor in? Terrain's good and bad for me. Um, obviously, something midfield that is big enough to block a discordant is the biggest concern, like a Nova L. If if I have a place to tuck away a discordant, like I said, kind of leave him in reserve in midfield, that's a big win for me. Other yeah. than that, it's 
I, I want to have a ruin big enough to keep my cultists out of line of sight because they're scoring my backfields and they're trash and that's all they can do. Um, other than that, terrain is usually a downside right, just me gets now with the discordance way. because they're so restricted. Exactly. Like I always tell people, uh, at least from like the spring when the discordance came out until recently, when finally people started coming off the discordance a bit, when people started playing like Hoosen's list uh, with just like three discordance and six dreadnoughts and some hell drakes, like just all in blah, blah, blah. Like I started telling people, I think we're getting more value out of the discordance than we should be because people aren't used to playing against them yet. Like, yeah, nowadays, if somebody plays against Tucson's list, they know, oh, right, I can just ignore the discordance for a few turns, feed them screens and kill the dreadnoughts because the dreadnoughts are what are winning the game. But everybody was so scared of of discordance there for a while that everybody was shooting at discordance. And it's like, no, it's a giant vehicle that does not have fly that has to assault. It kills five value. guards or like, five scouts or ten guards in every exactly. single turn. Like, indefinitely. It's like we've like good players have been playing around problems like that for ages. Like that's why I, you can have the same conversation about white scars right now. It's like, well, white scars to a degree, or uh, let's go back even to say space wolves and thunder wolves. They'll never be as good as a smash captain because a smash captain has the most important rule in the game, which is fly every weekend. That's the the best keyword in the game. Yes. Like even if you're playing an assault army, it's the best keyword in the game because you're not killing 10 (laughs) exactly it's like the 10 guardsmen in front of you are what a lord discordant is doing this turn whereas mortarian or a smash captain is gonna go oh no i'll i'll go over thank you and he'll kill the next thing but yeah like i i kept telling people we were getting too much value out of discordance because people were shooting them when they shouldn't have been they were taking the distraction bait and now we're finally getting back to reality here i feel like people have realized you can play around them and so terrain is more of a negative to me in that context. Like if I could play on an empty board or a super crazy ruin board, like I would probably have to pick the empty board because the ruins only help me keep the discordance alive. But if there's so many ruins that I can't use the discordance anyways, then what's it going to benefit? Yeah, it makes total sense. Um, one of the considerations. I, I'm sorry. I have a really quick, I have a really quick dumb question and I know this is a dumb question. So just bear with me. Um, the Nova L's. I was under the impression that, that, they apparently don't have any windows on them. Is that intentional? That is, yes. Yeah, they're solid on both sides. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I just wanted to make sure I understood that because, in I, I sort of assume because I know that Nova doesn't do um, bottom level blocking in LOS like ITC, so I was sort of assuming that you'd be able to see through them. And they just kind of grant and cover, but they actually block them on a site. So they're solid they walls. Yeah. They basically feel they don't need to adopt that rule because they're hipsters, but also because they don't. Yeah. The only the only case where they do that is actually on the stream table because Games Workshop, for whatever reason, only has one set of terrain (laughs) and their L shaped terrain in the middle of the board is full of windows. So on the stream table, we play as if those windows are not there. Oh, okay. But to go back to your thought, Justin, um, at ETC, one of the things we were considering is uh, there were a lot of teams that brought Disco Lords in their chaos list. Like Russia had like three Disco Lords, three Mollercreens, three Venom Crawlers. It was just running at you. Um, America brought three Disco Lords. And we always tried to, we would defend with like our guard army or something like that, which then they would attack into us because Disco Lords and Morty or whatever destroy guardsmen, as you're finding out. And we'd be like, well, let's just pick the super ruin heavy table. Exactly. They don't get a movement phase. And then that's actually how we won a lot of those games. I told people, because one, one of my friends at ATC this year literally copied my list and I was trying to get him right. I told him straight up, I was like, I would not play this army at ATC. I've got three ATC trophies sitting above me right now. I would not play this this army there because 
the board choice, this is an army you would want to put out early and the board choice could delete you. Like you could just get deleted by terrain. And then yeah. what was well, the point? Because this army definitely can't defend. It'll just get attacked. No. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it has to attack. And if you're attacking, your opponent gets to pick the table. Exactly. If you're the table, you're not getting movement phases. You're, you're talking to somebody who has also done these pairings once or twice. So yeah, that, that's I exactly what I told people. I was, the group here. I was like, I cannot... I could not play this army at ATC. This is not what I would play. But again, some people took very similar things and I tried to help them prep to the degree I could. Yeah, that's fair. So in part two, which we're going to head over to in a few minutes, um, we're going to cover a bunch of matchups and stuff. Is there anything from the strategy perspective that you think we need to cover more? Not off the top of my head. I think that was that was most of it. I've like I said, I've I've been playing this army for a long time. I I think if I go back, I don't think I've played an army without Mortarian since Mortarian came out. <laughs> like, so I, I think that puts me at two or three years now. So, yeah, I'm I'm pretty drilled down on what I need it to do. And I think we hit most of that. Yeah, I've, I've got to be honest. You're kind of making me want to play chaos now. It's fun. I, honestly, I've never left the, one of these recordings like feeling like, oh, I want to play this army. This is the first time I'm like, oh, I want to play this army. Like I said, Plague Bears are boring, man. It sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> That's not a title of this episode. Plague Bears, Bears are, are boring. boring. I gave all of mine to uh, to Tony Grappondo. He has all my Plague Bears right now because I was oh. like, I don't want to play these. These bore me. You can have all 60 <laughs> of my Plague Bears. <laughs> awesome. Amazing. Thanks for listening, guys. This was the Art of War podcast with our friendly uh, guest here, Justin Curtis, the other Chaos player thinks he knows things um if you enjoyed it you can find justin justin where can they find you uh i don't really have any internet presence uh i've been on your website a couple times and other than that i'm on facebook <laughs> you can find justin on nights the game table a couple times or on facebook um or you can check out me and all my classes and and whatnot over on nights the game table pro i teach five classes a week i do a weekly live stream i do a weekly meta analysis based on new releases like the faq space Marines, that kind of stuff and past tournament results like Nova. And uh, yeah, if you're interested in just increasing your 40K knowledge and getting better at the game competitively, check it out. It's the Game Table Pro. Uh, also, I would point out that we're on the Frontline Gaming Network. And if you want to get more uh, consumable competitive 40K content, that's a great place to start, uh, stop and, and just um, sign up with whatever podcast aggregator that you use because there's a lot of great podcasts there. Um, and it's, it's frankly, we're really happy to be a, a part of that family. So uh, support them, sign up. That would be great. We would appreciate it. Uh, if you want to help us, you could come write a review for us on Facebook. Uh, we're at 80W40K on Facebook. Pretty easy to find. Um, or, you know, send us your feedback. We're, we're always looking to make this better. So thanks for joining us, folks. And I hope you all have a great day. Like the strategy discussion you heard? Want to hear more about the tactics of this list? Sign up for our Patreon at AOW40K.com, where we go deep into details of optimal play. This has been Art of War, a strategy and tactics podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Find us at AOW40K.com. And of course, connect on Facebook. Just look for AOW40K. 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 Till next time.